Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Nostalgia. I have a very special guest here with me today. Marissa is technically my cousin, but really more like a sister to me. And I'm so excited to have her here today because we have so many shared memories and our t- entire childhoods, adolescence, and even into adulthood, there have been so many moments that have connected us as sisters, as a family, throughout pop culture, with music, with video. And I'm really excited to talk about it all. So welcome, Marissa. Hey, Nick. Oh, my God. This is so cool. I have to honestly commend you for the brat-themed avatar that you have going on here because it literally is you. Right down to the one green shirt. Thank you. I got it on Fiverr and knock on wood, like I'm considering it fan art (laughs) so Bratz doesn't come after me, but um, it's definitely a fun, right? It's a fun representation of when you look at it and you know that time in the early 2000s, it immediately makes sense. And I think that, I mean, we both love nostalgia and a way that we can look back on the past fondly and still carry that like childlike sense of joy and that really excited spirit. I think we really both continue to do that today. Absolutely. And I always like, there's never a time where I'm not, I guess in a sense, bragging about the years that we were the age that we were right. Because we had stuff like we had in our eyes, the technology of like camcorders, right? Because that was our TikTok. That was like how we were recording mm-hmm. our, well, they were music videos. They were our idea of recreating music videos with existing music. And between me, you, and Gina, just wild. Like, think about it choreography. They were all the biggest deal productions to us. And now we still have them. So it's like, we lived in a time where we weren't necessarily glued to the phone because a phone was something that had a cord attached to Mm -hmm. it that you and i would call each other from our landlines and um the phone was separate of the music videos right instead of being an all-in-one device so i liked i liked what we thought was the coolest thing back then right We played outside, but we also were music producers at the same time. Yeah, I think it was really cool because we're definitely of that age, too, where we experienced technology in our lives, but there was still a time we remember without it. And even just that transition where when our parents used to film us or use the the family camcorder, it was mostly for special events or milestones like birthday parties, you know, your first steps or your first words. And it really wasn't until our generation where not only the children got a hold of the technology, which 
as advanced as it was at the time was the camcorder. It was no longer them filming us. It was us filming each other, scripting yep. out or choreographing whatever kind of play or whatever we wanted to do. Um, but I think, I think too, just having that technology and being able to be creative in that way. Yeah, we were really the the first that really started. And this is kind of bridging the gap between those special events and milestones versus now, like everything on social media can be of everyday life. I think our time was the was bridging the gap. Because when we made music videos, that wasn't necessarily a milestone event or a particular event in life. But now looking back, it was because we made our everyday life into really fun memories. Yeah, it's literally like a visual time capsule. And it it actually proved Mm -hmm. just how much. It's really funny. Yeah. How much talent we had at such a young age. But for us, it was just us playing. Where like I, I was saying before, like we were producing content for sure. And now here we are. You're producing content, having (laughs) family members, friends, people that have something to promote on your own platform. So this, when you look back in 15 to 20 years, this will be the next time, next generation of time capsule that you have to say, hey, like I utilized what was the latest and greatest technology. Podcasts just honestly... Podcasts were already a thing, but they were really starting to come up when everyone was locked down, the pandemic started. And the only way that anyone would hear what you have to say, what I have to say, what, you know, all these other celebrities that are also doing podcasts have to say by tuning in because nobody was making any physical contact with each other. So the pandemic kind of also just forced everybody to dive into the technology that is out there. I couldn't imagine if all that shutdown happened, all that what is this thing, how long is it going to be around, happened before we had the technologies out there to FaceTime, record podcasts, what have you. Because if you think about it, when we were doing stuff on on camcorders, that wouldn't be live in any way you couldn't remotely speak to somebody I mean we couldn't do our jobs in a if you had a pandemic in the early 2000s it just a lot of people would have been in a much bigger so I feel like the technology was leveraged in order to at least help people go on as much as they possibly could even though things were drastically changing I have to bring up Disney because you are the like first and foremost expert, yeah, that I know about the topic. And so I want to start by asking you because you've been going since the 90s and just seeing how technology has transformed, how people relate to culture has transformed. What's kind of the difference? I know it's different to being a child versus an adult, but like your parks experience, your relationship to the media company itself, like how is how has that considerably changed over the time while to some extent remaining consistent in that it still delivers a magical experience that you can share with your family? 
Yeah, so it's it's interesting that you say that because I am uh, at the risk of sounding melodramatic. I am a Disney nut. Um, I am a Disney. There's all the groups. There's I'm in Disney junkies. I'm in Disney addicts. Now, those aren't really good words, but in the sense of the Disney obsession, they are. Um, and, and what you pointed out is that you know, you know, I know it might be a little different when you're a kid versus when you're an adult. It is and it isn't. Because uh, let's start with the first point you, you asked about, and that's like, how has it changed? So still kind of piggybacking off of the, the shift in technology is that when I was going as a child in the 90s, there were physical maps. There still are physical maps, but you weren't able to kind of plan things, but at the same time, there also wasn't as much to have to plan. Um, it was, you know, theme park, character meet and greets, bus rides still to the parks. Nowadays, they have things so advanced that Disney has managed to capitalize on having their own app, which is a hub specifically utilized when you are in Disney World or Disneyland, etc. And you have an algorithm, they call it Disney Genie Plus, where this genie is planning everything about your day and planning out your itinerary based on your interests, based on the group of people you are with. So it's a great resource and it can be dangerous at the same time. Um, like anything, they're always prone to glitches. You, but, but again, the pros outweigh the cons and it's, it's more of it brings a peace of mind rather than because anybody who goes on a Disney trip will tell you it's a vacation, but it requires a ton of prep work which thankfully, luckily for me, mm. I like that part. There's a lot of things I don't like to have to prepare for. Um, with planning Disney trips, it gives me a, an adrenaline rush. Um, and I think, I'm sure you can give me many examples, Nick, about like things that to somebody else might seem stressful, but because it's honestly woven into your DNA, it's like, fun and exciting for you and that's really what the Disney experiences in my case have been for me that I've managed to move from a child exposed to the theme parks and all the movies that you and I watched and all the princesses that we idolized I mean in our head it, you can't do better than Jasmine and Ariel they are our idols right um and so moving into mm. being an adult now currently sitting in my son's Lion King nursery and realizing that as a child, as an adult without children, and now an adult with a child, that the experiences don't get any less enjoyable. They just get different and enjoying and seeing my son enjoying the experience. It's all full circle. It's all back to what I started experiencing, and it's just as enjoyable. That's amazing. I think that that trope of the Disney adult is out there, and it sometimes like gets a bad rap. And so 
I just feel like why not let people enjoy the things they want to enjoy? Do you have anything that you want to say about that? The kind of like, you know, the people who, oh, you still like Disney. and right. But it means something different as an adult than it does as a child. It does mean something as an adult because just like – just like things like you have a lot of people that like to do things like Comic-Con or cosplay. It's not, you know, it's it's a fan base. And it's clearly a large enough fan base and I know mm. that a lot of the a lot of the people with the question marks are especially nowadays trying to understand what about the interest makes it worth going because I'm sure you've read about how just the costs of so many things have gone up. But it's like anything in Economics 101 where there is, you know, a demand. They're going to capitalize off of that. Um, one thing I have to say that even though Disney is a business and they are for making money, that is one place that I happen to go to. Uh, once they opened back up after the pandemic, and this is like fall of 2020, and I felt very safe. So they are a very large company, but at the same time, even if it comes down to like they're in the business of making money, they still made everybody feel safe and sanitized and masked and restrictions. So, I mean, you're, you're to direct back to your actual question. I just think it's there's too large of a community of people that feel the same way I do for people to kind of point fingers and be like, why? I mean, let's think of things that mainstream media might say that only adults would enjoy. When I didn't have children, there's literally fancy, cool themed drinks everywhere, right? There's so many adult attractions mm -hmm. that are bringing back people who when all of these original movies that came out in the 90s there's attractions that are mainly for them too so they can be adults and ride things like roller coasters and fast moving cars with video game aspects to them but the theming is their inner child the theming is lion king aladdin little mermaid so i think that what I would have to say to those arguments is that why wouldn't you want the best of both worlds? Why wouldn't you want to feel like you're having fun as a child, but on attractions and, and rides that are just as thrilling and, and pairing those two, those two together. So you're like, it, it'll never get old. And like I said, I think that my main defense would be that there's there can't be so many people that feel the same way and have people be like critical of it. That they can be critical, but it would take me more than just this episode to go on and on about that. So, yeah, why wouldn't you want to be living the best of both worlds? I absolutely agree, and I think sometimes that when you grow up, people are like, "Oh, well, like you have to do." grown-up things and it's like wait does that is that synonymous with me being unhappy right. <laughs> it doesn't have to be and even when you were mentioning rides right when I the first time I went to Disney World I was 11 and I was terrified of 
rides. So I didn't go on any roller coasters. I was so scared. And I went back one more time. I think I might've been in eighth grade. And it wasn't until I went with my family until I was, um, how old was I? 23 or so. And that Mm. was the first time I ever went on roller coasters because actually we both worked at an amusement park. And one summer, that I worked there, rides they would have the nights where they would close and only be open. I did do rides. And so every day I would be checking the height of people to get on the ride and people would be like, you're barely tall enough to get on this ride. But I was like, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I would be doing rides. And then a friend of mine was like, she did rides as well. And she was like, how can you work at an amusement park and do rides if you don't, you've never even been on any of these rides? And I'm like, because they're scary and I might die and they're operated by like 18 year olds. And, but anyway, but I ended up trying them. So uh, that's how I kind of got over the fear. Yeah. And like I said, it's, it's, I'm not as much as I've gotten a little bit older, I've been getting, you know, not as into the thrill seeking attractions, but there's so much entertainment there. Um, there's so many shows. There's every few months, few weeks, depending on the category, things are always changing. Right now they have a flower and garden festival going on for the spring. Um, my personal favorite is in the fall. They do a food and wine festival. This is at Epcot Park. And Epcot is front half is all just innovative technology as we've seen it evolve. Since Walt Disney started the parks, we're now in the 50th year that Walt Disney World is 50 years old. And that's the whole front end of it. And the back end is a giant world showcase. So even if you've got no background or fleeting interest in the Disney movies themselves, the characters, the childhood memories, that's all... Um, educational about these countries of the world right down to their food right down to um, I know they're kind of weaving this back into things because they had to unfortunately once the pandemic hit they used to have uh, Disney's employees are called cast members they are not called employees it's all keeping within the spirit of Disney Um, they used to have like the cast members that worked within these countries' pavilions were actually from there. So they were employing people Mm. native to the country to kind of come and uh, work through their work program. But also it was kind of cool because not everybody can physically get the opportunity to travel to 10 or 12 countries of the world at the same time. It's like your own little passport for the day. And... Again, none of this has, none of this aspect of the park has anything to do with Disney or Disney movies themselves. It's it's more of, like I said, just like a little snippet of traveling around the world. So I've had incredible uh, grapefruit beers from Germany, and I've never had German food until I ate there. And uh, attractions that... France Pavilion just put in a new Ratatouille attraction where you literally feel like you are little Remy, the rat, running around the uh, restaurant. And again, it just brings you back to feeling like 
a wild child at the same time as being an adult on a, on a ride. So it's it never gets old for me. I thought it was funny. Someone recently commented on my Instagram because of my haircut saying that I looked like, what's the girl? Is it Claudette? Not Claudette. What's the girl's name from Ratatouille with the, the black like short hair? Oh my goodness. I don't even know. Hang on. I don't know her name. I, it might be Claudette. Colette. Colette. Okay. Great too. Oh and we have a God. question about something random. We could just look it up. Yep. Oh, don't even get me started on that. And there and there are just people that are used to that, right? Like I remember having to go into um into in uh what the heck did they call it in school? Like the the catalog. Like when you were looking things up in an encyclopedia, the card catalog, remember that? Just to find something and it would take forever mm-hmm. and then Google became a thing. Even the ability to I feel like we've done this where we want to watch a certain episode of a TV show. And so you Google and say, you know, Reptar on Ice. And it tells you which episode that was or which season that was in. So then it's so much easier to find when you're searching on a streaming platform. And seeing that transition too, how if I'm referencing the – Carmen opera episode of Hey Arnold, I can go and find it on YouTube in two seconds. That still kind of blows my mind a little bit. That was uh, that was like one of the best. I think that has to be the best Hey Arnold episode ever. I loved any. I loved any episodes of those old school Nickelodeons that had musicality. I felt like that was that was like our that was our favorite theme always because that's what kind of we used like mirroring when we made our music videos and stuff like that was all of the theatrics. You, me, and Gina, we were the stars of our own show. I want to talk about also kind of like the culture in the mid 2000s. Like when, when I got my license and we would drive around and you would have your binder of CDs and and just the music that kind of defined our soundtrack over the years. And I think that it's great to have certain songs that remind you of friends and this and that and certain periods in your life. But I think it is different when it is your family because you have years and years of music evolving and your tastes evolving. And I have to say, I was obsessed with, Spice Girls when I was a kid and I remember bringing over all of my Barbies and my um seed in my CD my tape cassette and I was like I'm gonna introduce Marissa to Spice Girls and she's gonna love it and it's gonna be the best <laughs> and you were like well I'm not really that into them I'm actually really into sync." and I was like oh, what but then of course like you know sync became life I just I I was late to the party, you know. Spice Girls. I've got nothing bad to say about Spice Girls. Uh, I know how much you you were a huge fan, probably still are. Um, but I think that it was the boy band era, right? So Spice Girls stood alone on the top of 
the mountain that was girl band. There weren't really girl bands. Um, Bewitched. Like, again, I had to really try to think of another girl band. Whereas I, I and both of us were huge and still are huge in sync fans. And that was like, it was the battle of the boy bands. You had, you know, the McDonald's and Burger King of boy bands was in sync and Backstreet Boys. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you had Wendy's in there too with 98 degrees. But um, huge in sync fan. Uh, what, what was most interesting about in sync was that each band member had a different voice style so like thinking of them without one piece of that puzzle was impossible because although not all of the guys were soloists they all had an intricate part in the melodies of their songs their songs were fun not that not that bad language didn't exist in other genres of music but i think that like I said, I love the time we were the ages we were because their music was hitting platinum records and, and topping the charts without there being any curse words in it. And also incredibly interesting mm. to the ear. Choreography, that's probably another reason we liked it so much because we were dancers. We were choreographing our own dances to their songs and putting them out on our home videos. So I think that was a big thing. You know, a lot of a lot of styles now, people are listening to them. With the pandemic, there wasn't a lot of concert going until just recently. Whereas, again, luckily, all that was popular in the time that it was popular because you needed that in-person presence. We would go to the concerts, watch them live performing that choreography actually singing there wasn't any auto-tune or lip-syncing or editing on their parts and I'm sure at times they did it we already know that the production of music videos is lip-syncing over soundtracks but I'm talking about like live performances it's like okay there's so many different layers of talent here and to be quite honest with you I listen to the stuff from, from that time and into the early 2000s now just as much as I used to because I truly feel like it's timeless, it's fun, it brings us back to that stage of our life where we were pulling out the burned CDs with the Sharpie labels, little hearts, you know, the star for NSYNC and all these cute little decorations on the CD covers and popping them into the CD drive, rolling down the windows of your little red sedan and uh, driving around Southington thinking we were at our own concert. Yeah, that was the best. I even remember listening to 98 Degrees CD in your mom's car. And the thing was, too, I, I think when we were a little bit younger, you know, before you really have the buying power, you're 10 or 11 years old, your parents have to buy the CDs for you. And I remember Costco, just having very vivid memories of being in Costco as a kid, whether it was buying your first computer game 
the whole section in the front had all the computers and all the different games. But then there was a section two for books and CDs. And I mean, I guess that there were video cassettes there because this was really at the time, if not slightly before the time of DVDs. But I remember they used to have CDs at Costco and there was a, I think it was like a two for 20 deal. So this was when CDs were, I would say this was 1999 or 2000. So it was before CDs got so expensive that it was at the time where we were like, we'll just start listening to music online. But Uh, there were two for 20 and, and Q LimeWire and, and Millennium by Backstreet Boys had just come out. And so mm-hmm. my mom's like, okay, we'll get the first and second Backstreet Boys CDs. And that'll be our two for 20. That's what we'll get. <laughs> and Baby One More Time was out. And I'm like, but I really, but I really want the Britney Spears CD. And then my mom was like, okay, whatever, forget it. Let's just get all of them. Yeah. <laughs> and so having that, that memory of like you, you couldn't just listen to until LimeWire um, and Napster and Kazaa or whatever. It oh wasn't until God, those Napster. where you could curate your own musical taste. It was kind of like whatever you asked your parents for um, or whoever you knew about because you saw them. We were huge fans of J14 magazine. So anybody mm-hmm. you saw in J14 and I remember too, we would go to the beach over the summer and every summer because I was not allowed to put holes in my walls as a child. So I, I really never had posters on my wall. And so I would rip out all the pages of J14 magazine where they had the poster inserts and I would bring them all to the beach and just tape them to the walls were like wooden paneled. And so you could easily scotch tape something on the wall and remove it. And I would put up posters all over the wall just for that one week, just to show how excited you were about all of these artists. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's so funny too, because Think about how like when you so you're talking about like the two for 20 deal like you you were committing to the entire album. I'd be interested to see nowadays like you said that you can curate your own music style. You can piecemeal buy songs off of, uh, you know, Apple Music, Spotify, whatever you use. How many people probably aren't full unless you're a huge fan of an artist like you're a huge Adele fan. You know, you're a huge, uh, I'm trying to think, and who else has published, like, an album fairly recently? Like, unless you're a stand for that artist, I feel like it's diminished how often people are listening to full albums. It's like, well, I know I like this single. Like, there's certain songs that were on, like, the Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Britney Spears. We listen to song number 11 and song number 13, regardless, because you've committed to the CD. So you almost feel like, I got to hear this whole thing. But nowadays, people can, and then it was kind of shifting too. like when we would burn our CDs, we would pick out the songs we wanted. And that was basically like our CD of our ideal playlist, if you will. So it's just crazy to think how much that's changed. Mm -hmm. Like people are 
we were committed to the entire album. So there's a lot of songs that probably don't see the light of day by many listeners because they're not the singles and they're not the the standout songs. I think now that's what I call music was the only way that you could even be exposed to different genres too, especially in the early 2000s as hip hop emerged and became so popular in the mainstream and really dominated. So now that's what I call music would have a few pop songs, a few hip hop songs, a few rock songs, and they would almost be organized in that order too. Mm -hmm. So it would be reflective of whatever was on the pop radio station at the time and whatever was on the rock station at the time and the hip hop station. Cause then we were still listening to the radio and the radio was genre specific. And so in order to even get that more well-rounded sense of like what songs are really shaping the zeitgeist in our culture right now, they were on those compilation albums. And I think back then we always joked, they're going to have a, now that's what I call music. 95 and I and then after that I think we just thought I think they are I think after a while we joked that CDs wouldn't even exist anymore but yeah I think that they do and they're up to they might even be in the 100s by now to be totally honest they might even be in the 1000s by now um and yeah which is funny because it's like yeah Because those were coming out fairly frequently, enough that if you and I were able to get, like, we had at least 1 through 25 or something like that. So, I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of like the, like you said, pulling from every genre where it was the albums were basically the best of the best at the time. All genres Mm -hmm. across. Yeah, really, I think that the common thread is, I mean, really everything has evolved, whether it was how we utilize technology, how we listen to music, bridging the gap between your experiences as a child to an adult, that things change, but it's because they're evolving and how everything kind of has this natural progression or evolution. And when we were kids, we never thought that people would be able to record videos or that the one family camcorder that we were allowed to use between the three of us. Now, if we were 11, 13, each of us would probably have our own cell phones. Things Mm -hmm. like that kind of blow my mind. And actually, I just thought of when it comes to cell phones – I feel like you were always ahead of the curve and whatever was like the cell phone, if you had it, I was like, okay, that's the coolest cell phone, whether it was the, okay, the chocolate was the one I remember in uh, specifically. I I had the cherry chocolate because the red's always been my favorite color. Yep. I had the cherry chocolate. In fact, I believe my spoiled ass managed to get the cherry chocolate because I don't think that you could get that on AT&T. I think I briefly had a, a Verizon and then went back to once they came out with it on AT&T, something like that. But yeah, it's weird because the chocolates were the latest and greatest. Then when we got into high school, 
the raise, like we got further into high school, I should say, because I didn't get my first cell phone until I was like 12. And that was a little Motorola that did what cell phones were originally intended to do. I went to school out of town. So they were intended to call and say, I'm done with soccer practice. Come pick me up. Um, And obviously they have evolved into much more than that now. But yeah, so for me, it went Motorola, chocolate, razor. And then, okay, once you and I graduated college, then the iPhone started coming out. It's funny because you've got that song by Fabulous, You Be Killing Them, where they reference, give me that iPhone 4 FaceTime. iPhone 4 FaceTime was a huge deal because it had FaceTime and FaceTime was literally in its most primitive stages. Now I see like when I updated my software on my Mac, it tells me learn about how you can screen share on your FaceTime calls. Like new feature, huge thing. You and I will be talking in about a year or two and referencing where they were saying the biggest deal was screen sharing. And I'm sure there'll be something else that's the next latest and greatest thing. And it's like, we're all programmed, uh, pun intended, we're all programmed to like follow suit with whatever's the latest and greatest that comes out because God forbid we don't, you know, we feel like we'll get left behind and it's, but I mean that in a positive way, we're evolving as it's, as the technology is evolving, but still referring back to the nostalgia, because without knowing what came before it, we wouldn't be able to be such experts on what is now. Yes. My first cell phone was a Virgin Mobile. It was, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was shaped like one of those Motorola phones where it was not yet a flip phone. And it was a black and white screen. And you would only use it for the purpose of calling your mom when you're at the Meriden Mall <laughs> asking her to come pick you up and it was a pay-as-you-go phone as well so it's really funny the things that we take for granted now such as being able to have unlimited calls or texting or data anything like that or even just being under the expectation that calling someone could be free I free in quotations because technically you have to pay for your plan but um but seeing it evolve from that to the flip phone, which was the coolest thing at the time, to I had an Envy that was shaped a little bit more yeah. like a sidekick, which yeah. like like um, like the iPhone 4, it was that kind of time period where you're like, what? This phone, it's so cool. It's a flip phone, but it's like a regular phone. People were just very excited about these things. And then I didn't have a BlackBerry, but then the BlackBerry became so popular and it really became a part of people's identities, whether it was your cell phone case, your ringtone, which now people don't have ringtones anymore, but the ring back tones were also something I was obsessed with. Love Stoned by Justin Timberlake was my ring back. Oh, I know. I called you enough to know that. And I mean, I why don't people have ringtones anymore? I, I, I'm, I'm grouped into that large set of people. I don't, I couldn't tell you where there was a hard out on the ringtones, but 
I, I'm pretty sure I have the default Apple I Like, it's weird. There was never any... There was never any shift in trend that was announced, but you're so right. People stopped with the stopped with the customizing of the ringtones, even though things have only evolved. Yet, I think if you want my honest opinion, I think just other trendy features have come out from a video aspect that not many people are focused on, like their ringtone. But we should bring ringtones back, Nick. Mm-hmm. I think that they, they're due. That would actually be awesome because if my phone, I keep my phone on silent, I would say probably 90% of the time. However, maybe I'll reconsider and I will get a ringtone. I remember one of your ringbacks was AO Technology by 50 Cent, which when yep. we were like, you know, 14, 15 is hilarious. And Gina had pop, lock, and drop it as her ringtone, which as, like, an 11-year-old is hilarious. Right. But, yeah, I want to ask you one last question as we kind of wrap up. And just you having mentioned your media background, was there a certain piece of pop culture or was there a certain moment in your life? Like, what made you decide that it was something that you were passionate about? I think what for me, since I'm, I feel like the theme of this entire conversation has been about evolving. And I feel like that there is no secret you lived my entire past with me. Um, And there's no secret that there was always an interest in the pop culture aspect of it. And it became from listening to mirroring and choreographing to like transitioning by you know, coming out of high school sometime in college to like wanting to talk about it, which is like, I have to give you a shout out. Thank you for having me on here because this type of conversation is just stuff I enjoy talking about. And it's great because, and it's no surprise that both of us enjoy it too. I like to talk about the stuff, the stuff that I used to listen to. I like to have conversations about, I like to analyze the stuff give an opinion. Um, and, and that's really what it is for me is that uh, the commonality of all of my interests, whether it be Disney, celebrities and pop culture, certain reality TV shows that I like, all encompasses entertainment and celebrities. Uh, believe it or not, there's another part of me that is really into certain professional sports. So it's like, every one of these forms of entertainment can be conversation pieces. So that's what made me really interested in the media background. But I shifted as things have shifted. I've shifted with them. Um, It originally started with wanting to do certain types of broadcasts on certain larger mainstream media companies to now realizing that there's, you are, the creator of your own universe. And now there are platforms where you can kind of control your own content and control your narrative, which is much more appealing to me because I don't want to be some type of a person who's reading off of a script or a teleprompter. I like having these organic discussions where we control what we're talking about. Yes, there are limitations and restrictions because that we're putting out our own media here, but 
it's it's again it allows me to be more natural honest and in control of discussion topics that's just me you know me I like to talk I like to talk about this stuff and it keeps things alive for me for sure yeah definitely I think that I mean like I said a little bit earlier if you were doing it in my book, like it was cool to me. And so being able to grow up and bond and create memories and tell stories in our own way and having control over your narrative, even as a kid and your self-expression. And I think that humor has been something that's been really important to both of us too. There was never a time where whatever we were creating didn't make us laugh or didn't make us feel like, wow, we are really, we're just having fun. We're doing things that we love doing, whether it's making a music video or scripting a video, choreographing a dance, everything that we are doing is because it truly makes us happy. It brings us together. It connects us to one another. And that's the best kind of way to experience things is to feel like you you have a voice and you get to bond over these these commonalities of being the same age, of course, in our case, being in the same family, but also experiencing this culture at the same time. So it's amazing. And I want Let's to thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for having me on. Love you so much. And guys, we will Love see you, you next time. Thank you.